This is week number five in our summer series. We've entitled it More Than a Feeling. We're working through the book of Philippians, and we've said uh, the joy that never leaves us when we're all about Jesus. Joy never leaves us when we're all about Jesus. Matter of fact, we believe that so strongly, it's out on the church sign right now. You might want to take a peek, but uh, that's what we're uh, all about. Um, every week uh, during this series, uh, I didn't know this, but last week was tie-dye week. Anybody tie-dye anything? Anybody? Let me look. Tie-dye? Oh, yeah, we got them right down here. Good. Well, this week um, at our smile table, right around the middle doors and over here as you uh, head out the back doors, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but we're stockpiled with all sorts of different candy. So I would encourage you to stop by, pick up a sweet piece of candy or two, or like me, three or four or five. But anyway, uh, help yourself. Uh, it, we're just putting a little smile on your face. Um, today I want to begin with a true story. I shared this once before. It's been a while. I think it's worth repeating. There was a, a large church in Dallas, Texas, a, a very prestigious church. And uh, in this church, over time, things had got so heated and ugly that they went to war at each other. Fractured, division, both sides hired lawyers and uh, filed all sorts of actions and they didn't like each other and they were willing to go to court. They were willing to do whatever was necessary to try to claim the church property for themselves. After many months of uh, anger and yelling, um, an arbiter in mediation awarded the church property to one side in the dispute. And I just got to thinking, um, what was the name of that new church? Is uh, We didn't get our way. We're the second church of we didn't get our way. So we, they went and right away started another church just down the road from the other church. Um, the Dallas Morning News was kind of covering this story. And after one side won, um, an editor in the newspaper had an investigation, uh, had some reporters go out, find out what started all the fuss here at this church. And uh, here's what they discovered. A leading elder at the church, um, at a church dinner, was served a piece of ham and scalloped potatoes. Um, and... Uh, Go ahead, put that up, Dan. When he sat down, he discovered that sitting next to him was a child with a much larger piece of ham than him. True story. Um, and that was the source. That's where it all began. Uh, somebody's kid got more ham than this leading elder. And this true story tells us that all of Dallas got a good laugh at Jesus and his church over him. Somebody who thought he was a somebody didn't get a big enough piece of pork. It's the truth. James 3 verse 16 warns us, 
For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let that soak in. Where there's envy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder, every evil practice. Just think with me. A leader in the church was so full of himself, so full of what about me, that he pitched a fit over the child's plate next to him. And the result was confusion and disorder and evil. And they made Jesus look really foolish in his church. Here's my point. The root cause of almost every broken relationship is selfishness. <laughs> Looking out for the whole unholy trinity. The unholy trinity. You know what the unholy trinity is? Me, <laughs> myself, and I. Uh, you aren't looking out for my needs. You aren't doing it my way. What about me? <laughs> what about me? Hey, hey, don't forget who? Me, me. That's what selfishness is all about. Selfishness is the number one killer of relationships. By far. Destroys more marriages. Selfishness separates more friendships. Selfishness messes up more workplaces. Selfishness splits more churches. I, I would say it this way. Selfishness is the monster that lives within all of us. And here's what I've learned. You don't just kill it once. You've got to kill it every day. Do you understand? Every single day... We're going to have to kill that, that monster called selfishness. Let me give you a little definition. I'll, I'll give it to you biblically. Selfishness is looking out for my needs and my interests first and foremost. Focus is on, this makes sense, I. Got it? It's I trouble. That's what selfishness is. It's all about I. And you're not looking out for me, okay? This morning, we're going to look at the monster of selfishness. And oh, by the way, we're all hardwired from birth to look out for me first. So where did this come from? How come this is going on? Because we were born this way. We got this from Adam and Eve. It's, it's a part of our DNA as humans. Um, and then... We're going to look at the surprisingly straightforward, simple way to kill the monster called selfishness. Got it? So uh, if you're able, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at the first four verses. And, and we're going to read about the monster that lurks within all of us. And we're going to read what's God's solution to killing the monster. Would you stand with me if you're able? And let's read out loud together. Here we go. You ready? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. 
thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I publicly confess right now <laughs> that apart from you, I am one selfish bugger. And uh, that's just a fact. But your inspired book tells us that uh, I'm not alone in this fact. The truth is we all fall short. We're all prone to wander and prone to demand our way. That's true for every one of us. So show us this morning your answer to selfishness. Lord, we, we need your help. We need your book. Help us to go beyond just reading and understanding what your word has to say. Lord, I'm praying that you'll help us to put it into practice starting today. And Lord, I pray that we would start with our husbands and wives. If we're married, I pray that we would start with uh, our children and grandchildren. I pray that we would go to our friends and the people that we work with and the people we go to school with and our neighbors. Lord, would you help us to put this into practice? Help us to put to death selfishness here in your church at Walloon. And all the church family at Walloon Lake who desire to stay unified in one said with one unified voice. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 1. Paul's going to ask uh, some questions here. Good questions, okay? Um, First, he says, do you belong to Christ? <laughs> uh, do you belong to Jesus? And does belonging to Jesus bring you encouragement? Second, have you received any comfort from Christ's love? Any good things come your way because Jesus loves you? Um, is there fellowship together in the Spirit? Is there oneness together when you join in the church family? He's writing to the church at Philippi. Are, are your hearts tender and compassionate towards one another? Are, are your hearts ready to obey and respond to what I'm saying, to God's word? Paul's asking questions here to the church at Philippi, to the church at Walloon. And uh, he's wanting some answers here, okay? Let's uh, just work through them one at a time. Question one, church at Walloon. Have you been united with King Jesus? Are you not now to be the chosen children of the king? Think about it. We used to be beggars. Now we're royalty. Isn't that cool? We used to be prisoners. Now we're running free. Anybody recognize those words? Bill Wickham's song. Okay. Uh, it, it's all about... We're in the house of the Lord, and those are wonderful lines because it's right from here. Does belonging to Jesus bring encouragement to your life? And I'm going to ask you that question. Does it? Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> it's the difference between life and death. Question number two. Jesus loves us unconditionally, sacrificially, eternally. Jesus loves you and me for free. Romans 8, 5. The love of Jesus has been poured out into our hearts. Now here's my question. I'm asking you this because Paul's asking. Does the love of Jesus bring you comfort? And your answer is? 
You better believe it. It's, it's the love of Jesus in us that keeps us from giving up. I quit. No, no. We keep on marching because of the love of Jesus. Question number three. Verse one. You are the one church family, your one body in the local church in Philippi, in Walloon Lake. Jesus knows that we are better. I'm going to say it. How? Together. We're better together. Christ never intended us to be lone rangers. Did you know that? That never was his... Being a follower of Jesus is a team sport, okay? Are you working together as a team, united by his spirit? And your answer is? Question number four, back in verse one. Are your hearts tender and compassionate towards one another? Uh, Do you care about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there compassion? Are you ready to receive from God's word what he has to say to us? Are, are you still looking out for each other? And your answer to the, are you looking out for the family here? And your answer is? Okay. So if you've been grateful, you've been chosen by Christ. If it's the love of Jesus that keeps you from quitting on life. If the team that most gets you excited is the local church. If you love the church family, if you're in it to win it, verse 2. This is what he's doing, okay? He's kind of setting this up. Here's what he says. Verse 2, then make me truly happy. Paul says, make me one happy dude by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Paul's writing here, church at Philippi, church at Walloon, what would make my day? Think about it. What would make Paul so happy? What would please him and tickle him more than anything else? And he tells us, okay, what would please Paul is if you, church at Philippi, Walloon, would get along with each other. That's what verse 2 says. Uh, That's my... my, uh, translation. If you would love one another, if you would agree with one another, if you'd work issues out, if you would get along well with each other in the church family. You understand? That's his point. Get along with each other. God's plan is that members of the local church love and care for and work well together as a team. What's God's plan for you? Uh, That we get along And we work together as a body, one mind, thinking, planning, in unity and oneness, one purpose to advance the cause and lift high the name of Jesus Christ. And some of you are thinking, great idea, Pastor Jeff. I like that. I like that. It's a worthy goal, but how are we going to pull that off? How on earth are we going to work together and not have ham wars Break out here in Walloon, okay? How can we get victory over old selfish me, 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 over old sinful selfish you, you, you? How how are we going to do that? Well, keep reading with me. Philippians 2, verse 3. He says, don't be, what does it say? Okay, Uh, six of you got that. Verse 3, uh, Don't be, what is it? Quit trying to press others. Don't press. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. 
Now, thinking of others is an accounting term, Dennis Popadlo. Uh, thinking of others means to put something into the correct or proper place. In other words, put it in the, the proper column, if you will. Jesus is saying here, look at verse 3, I own the bank, I own the accounting firm, I own you, I own the church. Okay? That's what he's saying, verse 3. So what he's saying is accounting according to Jesus, resist the urge to show off. Resist the urge to, to impress everybody. Choose to be humble and put your spouse before you. Choose to be humble and put your friends before you. Put your co-workers, put your teachers' interests above yourself. Okay? Put it in the right column. Unity and oneness in the church starts where? Where does unity and the oneness in, in the church start? Are you ready? It starts with me. It starts with me putting everything in the right column. Lord, I've been ordered by you. You're my boss. You're my king. I'm going to put the interests of Henry and his needs above and before me. It starts with me. Now, here's the problem. You ready? There's always a problem, isn't there? Here, here's the rub, if you will. Um, we come into marriage. We come into church. We come into friendships. We come into work environments. And here's what we're saying. I want you to be nice to me. I want you to be kind and generous and caring to me. For you go first, and then maybe, if, if it works out, then I'll return fire with some niceness back. Do you understand? That, that's how we view life. We, we go into situations, and I'm waiting for you to make the first move. Okay? Uh, but Jesus says, no, verse 3, you go first. You care for them first. You look out for others first. And then, perhaps, you'll get the response you're after. But it doesn't really matter. Either way, you go first. And just in case we didn't catch this, look at verse 4. He repeats himself. He says, don't look out only for your own interests. Take an interest in others, too. Okay? So don't just look out for you. Look out for others. In other words, get your eyes and your focus off of you and your needs and get your eyes and your focus on the needs of others first. Is that not incredible? It's, it's, it's simple, but wow, so hard. It really is. You got to change the way you think. So if I'm uh, in town and I'd like a coffee from McDonald's or Starbucks or wherever, roast and toast, pick your favorite one. Um, here's how you got to think. Well, if I'd like a coffee, I bet Denise and mom would like a coffee too. Do you understand? And I'm going to get them a coffee and then I'll get myself one, okay? Um, if I'm grilling on the barbecue grill, if I'm grilling pork chops, if I'm grilling chicken, um, now usually after I've grilled, I've picked out the best one, Tim. I, I know which one 
is the best, okay? That one is for who? Denise. See, I'm telling you, you got to think different. The best piece of chicken goes to mom, not to me. Now, that's a different mindset, I promise you, okay? So here's the summary of Paul's challenge. Church at Philippi, church at Walloon, you ready? You before me. Here it is. You before me. It's so good, I think you should say this with me. You before me, okay? Now turn to someone near you. You can look at your wife. You can look at your friend. Look at somebody. You before me. Say it again. You before me, okay? Uh, I'll go second. That's really what you're saying. Now, I'll say this again. Here's the problem, the challenge. Um, we live in a me-first world, do we not? <laughs> we live in a world where everybody, they're not looking out for you first. They're looking out for me. That's the way. And we've all been, by default, hardwired this way from birth. Okay? What about me? I want first, I want the best, I want the biggest, okay? Now, I'm going to speak now not so much as your pastor, but as a man, okay? And as a husband, as a father, and now a grandfather, okay? Um, can I just say this? Uh, I don't know how to say it gently, men, but my experience is mostly men, we struggle with this more than people of another sex, okay? Uh, mostly men, this is, this, is, this is a harder challenge, my opinion. I get it, it's hard. It goes against who we are for everybody. But I discovered, men, this is more of a challenge for us. Which is why when men get this and they start to humble themselves, it looks so good. It looks so handsome. Wow. When you see a man who's say you before me, you go, wow, that looks good. Now, this past week, I knew what I was going to speak on, so I'm practicing like crazy. I'm telling you, I'm putting this in. Um, I'm going at it. Myers, I felt so good. I kind of arrived in the line at Myers at the same, you go first. <laughs> you before me. Uh, and at home, what would you like to, to eat, dear mom? What would you like? Uh, and I was doing so good. And then I went to Bob Evans, and I've got the food. I let them choose. It was good. And now I'm backing up. And, and I promise you, I was backing up first. Uh, put it in gear. I'm starting. And then uh, this other person, um, they were going to back up at the same time. And they thought they should go ahead of me. And uh, anyway, uh, I thought we were going to hit, so I gave them the look. And I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, jerk. Um, it's true. And I went first, I'm telling you. <laughs> Last week... Last week, the greatest weapon against suffering, what was it? Do you remember? What's the greatest weapon we have when it comes to suffering? Daily abiding 
consistent walking with Jesus. Okay? What do you suppose is your greatest weapon against selfishness? Any guesses? What do you think, bud? It's the same thing, exactly. Daily, abiding, consistent walking with Jesus. You understand? I'm just telling you, you, you want to win this one? You're going to have to walk with Jesus. Stay daily abiding with Christ. Allowing His Spirit to flow and work through you. But then you need to have the information and be thinking you before me. You understand? So, so it's both. You, you got to be walking with Christ and then get into that. It's a holy habit. It really is. You before me. And every time now, when you look at what's barbecuing on the grill, I'm giving them the best one. You get the best one. Yeah, of course. You go first. I'm telling you in every area of your life, you before me. That's what consistently, daily kills selfishness. Now, that's the problem here too, okay? Um, I, I've killed selfishness now for the next few hours, and, and then um, now I'm kind of unplugged, and I'm kind of doing my own thing, and I'm kind of tired, and, and I'm just kind of cranky. Ever get that way, Henry? A little cranky, okay? And, and now some jerk wants to back up ahead of you. Hey, I'm first. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I've been working hard at that one, and it didn't go so well. Um, I want to give you one more piece of instruction, but it's not here. Can, can we look somewhere else? Let's go to the Gospel of Mark, okay? Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. I got this one from my buddy Max, <laughs> like we're friends. Uh, anyway, verse 33. Um, here's what it says. And after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what, what were you discussing on the road? <laughs> verse 34. But they didn't want to answer because they'd been arguing about which of them was the greatest. <laughs> You know, put the snicker in your mouth, right? Uh, selfishness and pride on full display, and they didn't want Jesus to know. <laughs> he knew. Verse 35. Jesus sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then Jesus put a little child in his arms, and he said to them, verse 37, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. Four times here, it says, welcome one another. Welcome. Welcome one another. Accept one another. Even when we're dealing with envious, selfish porcupines. You understand? People who are really prickly. Uh, welcome one another. When we treat even the selfish, envious, proud like this. Are you ready? We're treating them the way Jesus treats us. Does that make sense? So, I treat you that way. Why? The only reason it makes sense is because Jesus welcomes me. Jesus accepts me. 
Because Jesus didn't say, I'm sorry, Jeff, you can't be a part of my family because you are the most selfish, self-centered bugger in all of the Midwest. And I promise you, that's who I was. I'm pretty sure that's exactly, I had that title, the most selfish, self-centered bugger in all of the Midwest. That's not how Jesus treated me. He said, Jeff, once you come follow me, and I'll show you how to follow me. I'll show you how in due time, how to kill that monster of selfishness. And I'll tell you, that monster of selfishness, it doesn't go down easy. It's like Groundhog Day. It comes back to life, and the next day it's fully alive and has to be killed tomorrow. And then I promise you on Tuesday, you're going to have to kill the monster of selfishness. And every day, you're going to have to keep killing that, that thing, monster, selfishness. And some days, you're going to have to kill it more than others. You might have to kill it three, four, five times. Listen, this is not saying we have to always agree with selfish, proud folk. We're not called to be doormats. We're not called to take their abuse. We're not, he's not asking us to be best friends. But Jesus is saying, I do expect you to show everybody you meet an accepting and welcoming attitude. Does that make sense? You, you show them, and even when they bite and cuss, and snarl, and twice this week in my adventure, I was cursed at. <laughs> I'm telling you, here, here's the difference. We don't return fire. Because I'm capable. Hope you know. I might be a pastor, but I can fire back with the best of them. No, no, no. You, you cuss and snarl and mean at me. Welcoming, accepting attitude. Lord bless you. You know, you tell me I'm number one with your hands and your fingers. I'll pray for you. Lord bless you and bless that finger too. Amen. How do you daily kill the monster called selfishness? Here's just the reminder. Remember how deeply loved, forgiven, chosen, accepted, secure we are as children of King Jesus. Aren't we not blessed people? We're so blessed. And he has a right to expect and demand that we get along with one another. And that starts in the church, but then we take it out and show the world that we can get along with them too. Okay? Starts in the family. If you can't get along in the family, there's trouble. Okay? That's verse 1. Uh, since Jesus, you own the bank, you own me, my life, I'm going to consider others first. I'm going to put you above me. Lord, Lord, help that be my new mindset. Wherever I go, you before me. I'm telling you, this will change your marriage. You before me. It'll change your relationship with your kids. If they realize you're always putting them first and, and you're showing them Christ, on. I'm telling you, it changes things. Uh, number three, verse four. I'm going to get my eyes off of just me. And Jesus, help me to focus on your interests, not mine. I'm going to give you the bigger slice of ham right off the bat, okay? I'm okay with small because here's what I know. I can go in for seconds, okay? So it's okay if I get the small one anyway. I'm going to give you the best one right away. And then from Mark 9, verse 37, 
Jesus says, give everybody a welcoming, accepting spirit. Everybody you encounter, even the selfish, proud porcupines you encounter. Lord, help me not return fire. Because when someone says something mean, somebody does something stupid, help me not to blast away in return. And here's what I know. If we ignore this command, if this expectation and we're not making unity and oneness our priority, if we allow selfishness and pride to grow and flourish, here's what I know will happen. James 3, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I promise you, if we just left selfishness, it's all about me, I want my way, me first, that attitude will begin to destroy marriages. That thinking will mess up families. It will, it will destroy workplaces. Friendships will be fractured. Lord, deliver Walloon Lake Community Church from confusion and disorder and all sorts of evil. And you know where it starts? When I let that old monster rule and reign. Lord, help me kill that monster, selfishness, every single day. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, would you help us to daily die to self? And Lord, uh, would you help us to daily live strong for your son, Jesus? Lord, the best weapon we have against selfishness is a daily, consistent, abiding, close relationship with your son, Jesus. And Lord, that's my prayer for each person here today. Give us courage and strength to look out for the other person first. It doesn't come naturally, Lord. <laughs> it goes against everything that I see around me. It goes against the music we listen to and the entertainment we watch. But Lord, would you help us to consider others better than ourselves? And Lord, if there's anybody watching online, Lord, Lord, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know your son, Jesus, personally, would you make them realize they're missing the best part of life? Anybody who's never said, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am lost and I need that good shepherd right next to me. Would you help them to believe on the Lord Jesus today? Draw them to yourself. And might they even right now confess Jesus. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. Jesus, you're the one who lives sinlessly. Jesus, you took my place on the cross. Jesus, you shed your blood for my greatest problem in life. I'm a great sinner. You took my place in the grave. 
arose victoriously right now, Jesus, I confess. You are my King, my Savior, my Lord. Come take charge of my life. That's where new life begins. And if that's you watching online, I'd encourage you. Just let it be known. We have, uh, we have pastors. We've, we've got counselors. They'll, they'll talk with you. They'll work you through that. If you're here in person, make your way over to the prayer corner. They'll work with you over there as well. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the victory even over something so ugly, something so prevalent in our own lives and around us as selfishness. Would you help us to daily kill that monster? We love you. Thank you for your book. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.